You may be seated. Good morning, Life Church. Oh, man, I tell you. So, I am Doug Newby. If you are unaware of me, I have the pleasure of serving as one of your elders. And today I have the pleasure of continuing this, this series in Galatians, Free at Last. And as I came here earlier this morning, you know, you, it's something I've done for you for the first time here. And you're trying to do everything right. And I've got my coffee. And I'm sitting down to look over my notes, and I see Roger getting coffee. And they're like, oh, Roger, you're getting coffee this morning. Why is that? And he says, because I'm not preaching. Because when I drink coffee and I preach, my mouth gets, you know, kind of that way. And I thought, I've already done something wrong. So <laughs> I didn't finish the cup of coffee, uh, but I held on to it because it made me feel better. But I'm so excited that you're here this morning, and I'm so excited to be bringing you this message uh, today. It's something that strikes a chord on my heart, uh, as m all things do, uh, but we all have a little areas that we feel passionate about. I definitely feel passionate about this. Welcome to those of you who are online, um, and I would be remiss to say, hi, mom, as most people do, because she'll be watching. I personally am a big fan of the one more thing idea. And if you're unfamiliar with this, it's kind of synonymous with Steve Jobs. And he's the founder of Apple. And what he would do at his keynote speeches is he would wait until the very end of a presentation of what most people were expecting. And then he would say, and there's one more thing. And he would unveil a new product or some sort of service that everybody was all abuzz and excited about. And I would, I would just, it's another product to buy. So that idea, I, I just, it gets you excited. And it maybe even throws you off course a little bit. Another example is in the case of the 2019 CrossFit Games. At the end of day one, the final event was this grueling three-mile trail run called the Ranch Loop. And I have a picture of what that loop looks like. Um, and you might look at it. It's not very impressive as you look at it there. But a trail run, if you're not familiar with that, it's not pavement. It's not uh, clearly marked. It's roots. It's gravel. It's grass. Uh, it ascended up to 2,000 feet, which also means it descended to 2,000 feet. It had a one ascent that went up three-fourths of a mile. So they were going uphill for three-fourths of a mile. And we're talking steep hills to where they had to climb, and then they had to scooch down so that they wouldn't fall down. So this was not an easy run for them. When they got to what they believed was the end of the run, the director of the CrossFit Games, Dave Castro, informed them that they were only at the halfway point they had to turn around and there was one more thing, they needed to go back to the starting point. It turned it into a six mile trail run. That's a lot. You're not as surprised as you should be. Now when we first read the end of chapter five of Galatians, it really makes a pretty good letter, at least I think so. Paul had these issues with the church and what he did is he got their attention by making a wonderful argument of why the Christ plus mindset was toxic. Then he gave them some great steps as a takeaway, so that they could remain on the right path, but Paul didn't stop there. So let's imagine for just one moment that we are at the reading of the letter at the church in Galatia. So we had people walking around, we'd have people sitting, we'd have some people thinking, you know, Paul's making some really good points here, and they're right on track. We might have some other people thinking, I wonder how much longer this is gonna be, I've got errands to run, I've got things to do, let's hopefully wrap this up quickly. We might even have, like we do here, parents in the back of the room, kind of walking their kids around, half paying attention, half not paying attention. And they might all of a sudden, you know, be a little hungry because they hear Paul talking about fruit and they're just not fully understanding. There also could be 
others looking around at their neighbor thinking, I'm pretty sure I saw you in the circumcision line the other day. Because that's what we tend to do, right? We, we know our neighbor and eh, all right. So, but instead of wrapping up, what Paul does is he adds one more thing and that's chapter six. And chapter six begins with, brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual or godly should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. We could spend all morning right there, but we're going to unpack it a little bit. What Paul is telling us is that it shouldn't end with us. You can take the first part of Galatians and just internalize that and make it about you. And he's saying, yes, but there's more. We need to move on to others. It's where we see others and we understand that they're going to fall into sin and be deceived. And we have a responsibility to reach out to them. If we look at Romans 15.1, it uses stronger language and begins with, now we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength. The ultimate goal wasn't for this letter to solve all the problems or to even have Paul write numerous letters back and forth, solve every dispute that they had. What he was trying to do was to have them understand that they should be able to depend on one another. As they stay in step with the Holy Spirit, he helps us see that sometimes in our lives, we all have pain. We all have sorrow. But if we're wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. Paul was urging an atmosphere where believers could proclaim to each other, lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. For it won't be too long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. It's been defined that a Christian worldview, also called a biblical worldview, refers to the framework of ideas and beliefs through which a Christian individual, group, or culture interprets the world and how they interact with it. Or more simply put, what filter do you use when you process any information? For me, it doesn't matter if the song, book, movie, or podcast is Christian or secular. I see it through the filter of Christ. This happens in our house all the time. Not going to spoil an ending for you, but we just finished the series Loki. And it was a teaching opportunity where I could ask my daughter how she could interpret that with a Christian worldview. We, I, we do it with songs. We, it's just the way that we see the world. I connect emotionally with music. It's something that stirs me. It's something that allows me to maybe even see more truth behind words because I just connect that way. As I was speaking those lyrics of Lean On Me, I, I, I'm not plagiarizing, I know. I didn't come up with that in case you don't know. You might have been humming that uh, tune in your mind. As I was preparing the message, that song, Lean On Me, just started playing in my head because the lyrics and the idea behind that song really echo what Paul is saying here in chapter six. Because I just might have a problem that you'll understand. Some songs seems to strike a chord with every generation, with multiple generations. It doesn't matter when it's released. It just keeps coming back and back and back. And this is one of those songs. Just last year, it was used to support a fundraising, uh, a, a fundraiser for the Red Cross during uh, the pandemic as they were looking to, to get additional funds and it was utilized by the music industry. If you grew up in the 90s, 
which I, multiple decades I grew up in, 90s, I was there. You might be familiar with DC Talk, and at the very beginning, they were true MC, true MC. Everybody listens to true MC. That, I'm not a good rapper, but uh, imagine. If you know any DC Talk fans, you heard that? Okay. Tough crowd this morning. (laughs) Maybe you're an 80s child, and you grew up with Club Nouveau. You probably never heard of that group, but they're the ones who sang it. And at the bridge of the song, they're the ones who are, we be jamming, we be jamming, oh yeah. You know, that one too? Okay. Well, regardless, it was first released by Bill Withers in 1972. I'm a big fan of jazz and soul, and Bill Withers is a staple for me anyway. And just so that we're on the same page, for those of you who are unfamiliar with this song, we're going to play a clip here. interviewed about the universal message of this song, he stated, it's a rural song that translates probably across demographical lines. Who could argue with the fact that it would be nice to have somebody who really was that way? My experience was there were people who were that way. In chapter 6 of Galatians, Paul is saying that we should assume that when sin and deception show up, we can lean on each other. However, unlike the well-written song, Being someone to lean on doesn't start and end in four minutes and 17 seconds. Let's look at some of the things that Paul brings to add clarity to the idea of being someone to lean on. 
This is where the large fonted notes come in handy. They're large fonted because there's not a lot on there, but you could read them well. Number one, this means you. In verse one of chapter six, Paul says, it's those who are spiritual or godly in some translations. So you could be tempted to disqualify yourself and you're thinking, well, I'm not on church staff or I'm not an elder or on a ministry team or even an active volunteer. So there's really no way Paul's talking about me. Paul wasn't creating a line between believers that were godly or spiritual and those who weren't. If we look back in chapter 5, Paul taught us the fruit of the Spirit. We have that idea of living by the Spirit, walking in step with the Spirit. And those are the qualifications that Paul is referring to by those who are spiritual or godly. So good news. All of us who are seeking God and using the tools like what Roger gave us last week to keep in step with the Spirit are the spiritual or godly people that he's referring to. No more excuses. That's good. This piece is key because it sets the stage for a healthy relationship between believers where the Holy Spirit guides and directs the sin situations. He can then tug on the hearts of those who should be the leanees. I don't think that's a word, but you get what I'm saying. It plays on the lean, leanies. Number two, you are still broken. If you remember last week, Roger used the analogy of dancing with the stars, and I didn't ask him, but I'm going to take personal, personal liberty to flesh out that image a little bit more. Uh, so dancing with the stars is a show. You got people dancing. You've got professionals who are judging the dancing and giving scores. What can happen is that as we begin to get involved with others, we begin to see ourselves in the judges' seats and start critiquing and rating the quality of the other dancers instead of realizing that all of us are still on the dance floor. Paul reminds us of this in verse 1. He says, Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted, because none of us are above sin, and all of us are in this together. We need to understand that when we read Colossians 1.28, which says, So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to Christ, perfect in the relationship to Christ, that it only works when we also remember 1 Corinthians 3.6. After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. Paul could already see that we would start the process of helping each other And at some point, we'd be tempted to make people change or get better. But that change or get better is our definition or our thought of what change or getting better looks like. What this does is it ends up putting us with too much power. Instead of remembering that the Holy Spirit has all the power. We give ourselves too much credit when all the credit needs to go to God because he's the one who does the work. 
We need to be in a place where we truly believe the humbling words of Romans 7.18 that says, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. Number three, it's called your story for a reason. Everyone loves a good testimony and for good reason. I love a good testimony. I love hearing a good testimony. I have a good testimony. But what we need to understand is that our testimony is not a template. We love replication. We love routine. We love surety. A plus B equals C. Or in mathematics, one plus one equals two. We love that process. I love that process. I, I love to be able to start with a plan. When I'm building anything, I need a plan because I know if I take these scraps of wood, if I follow these instructions, I end up with this result. We don't want to make someone else's burden about us. And that's what we tend to do. We take it upon ourselves. It no longer becomes about that person, but it becomes about you or me. We need to remember that our testimony is a rally cry of God's love, grace, and faithfulness in every situation. It's used to show that no one is alone, no one is abandoned, and that there's hope and freedom when God gets involved. What can happen is you start out with your story and it's powerful and you're excited and you're passionate and you want others to experience breakthrough because you know God does and wants to provide the breakthrough and the change and the freedom for that individual. But then something can happen where you begin to look at your template because this is how you got there. So you think ah, others, this is the way they're going to get there. And what happens is that you begin to use the steps of your journey as checkpoints that other people need to reach. Now that is a breeding ground for those you shoulds that Amber talked about a few weeks ago. Your personal path to freedom was never meant to be a hoop for others to jump through. Galatians 6 goes on in verses 2 through 5 and, say, and says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And we're going to stop there before we move on to verse 3. Because what does bear really mean? What are we talking about here? Well, another word for it is to carry or to pick up or to endure. It requires action. It's something that you are participating in. What are we talking about when we fulfill the law of Christ? Well, he was the ultimate burden bearer. And how did he carry that burden? These are examples for us to look through and think through and process through. Verse three, for if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Now what this does is it correctly shifts our mind in the right lane of thinking. Remember that, yes, you need to help out each other, but to go back to that analogy, you're dancing your own routine. And that, that dance is what you need to focus on. 
When people are hurting, they don't need to hear you. They need you to hear them. When you bear or share a burden, the goal is to relieve some of the load for that person. Again, if we look at bearing or sharing, the intent behind that word, it's, it, it, it invokes this image of lifting properly, like it's a heavy burden. So I work out, uh, I don't, that kind of sounds vain. I mean, I, I, I do CrossFit, as that's why I used the example of CrossFit before, and I personally train and coach. And if someone's gonna come in and lift a heavy load, there's a proper way to lift it and an improper way to lift it. This verse is talking about properly lifting that load. For me, that's getting that, that athletic stance, making sure my back is straight, keeping my knees vertical. They, these are things that help me, help me to brace myself to lift that heavy load. This is what we need to do when we're thinking about bearing and sharing burdens with other people. But what happens is when you impose your personal template, you're not helping ease any burden. You're just adding more weight on top of them and they have no way to lift it. So it's, it's no help at all. It's like saying, hey, you know what? That's not that heavy, really. So do these things and you could lift it when adding more plates is not what they need. Remember Romans 15.1 that we talked about earlier, it does carry on. So we're going to read the whole verse here now. It says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Now, sermons usually have a good like rhyming takeaway for you. So I only have one. This is it. It's not in your notes. If you have a pencil, you might write it down or not. I don't know, that's up to you. We need to learn to do more bearing and offer less sharing. Oh, I got a little clap. <laughs> Again, we need to learn to do more bearing and offer less sharing. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> it wasn't for more clapping. It was to emphasize the point. <laughs> Okay, number four, change takes time. Paul tells us to bear one another's burdens without the expectation of it being removed. Nowhere in this passage does it promise change is going to occur. Change is the goal, but it's not guaranteed to happen. So you need to shift your thinking. Verses seven and eight state that for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So we can do all the things that we're talking about this morning and not see any change. If someone is in sin or has been deceived, they may not turn from it. There's no guarantee there. To quote an old English proverb, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Remember, we are working to be in step with the Spirit, and it's that obedience that we're following. The Holy Spirit is guiding this whole situation. We started out with that, the idea of putting ourselves in that position where the Holy Spirit's guiding and directing these situations. So our timetable and our roadmap need to take a back seat in this process. Our responsibility is to be that leanee, to be someone to lean on. Paul further encourages us in verse 9 and 10. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, 
Let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are on the household of faith. We need to be okay if we're just part of that process and not the beginning and the end. Paul wants us to see that some situations will take time and you might want to give up, but that's not the answer. The person may continue to sow to the flesh, but that doesn't have to stop you from sowing to the spirit. We need to trust that the Holy Spirit knows that the Holy Spirit is working. Make the obedience to the Holy Spirit's leading your end game and focus so that you can be a good leanie, someone that people want to come to, someone whose burden is lessened. Remember back chapter five, the fruit of the Spirit. That's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We need to use those when someone reaches out to us. We need to understand they need a soft hand. They need to be heard. Your story is probably a lot like my story. Some things happened overnight. There were other things that were a long, drawn-out process. That analogy of up and down. That's your journey, that's my journey. We begin to sugarcoat what happened to us in the past and we see where we were and where we are and we think that there is a line that is vertical the whole way. Almost like that three-fourths of a mile climb that the CrossFit employees had to, or uh, athletes had to go up. But it's not. It's more like that grueling trail run where it's ups and downs where sometimes you're climbing up, sometimes you're sliding down. Those are things we need to remember as we do life with one another, as we listen to one another. Don't have a timetable that if someone doesn't reach, you step away or your hands off. God's timing is perfect. Holy Spirit is working. If you step away and have a hands-off approach, you're taking away the opportunity to be used by the Lord in situations that might provide that breakthrough. He's still gonna use somebody. We want him to use us. That's what we're focusing on here. That way, when someone follows the advice of Bill Withers and calls you when they need a friend, you're gonna hear. And you start a relationship because again, it won't be long till you're gonna need someone to lean on. Let's remember that we all sin and that we all need each other. So, for all of those people that need to lean, we've talked about the leanies a lot this morning, but what about those people who need to lean? What's the next steps? Well, first of all, if you're hesitant in wanting to lean on somebody because of past experiences, I wanna apologize. I want you to know that if you experienced a bad situation where someone didn't hear, that someone maybe used your story to kind of have a one-up, you have that one-up friend that says, oh yeah, well, this happened to me. I'm sorry that you weren't heard. I'm sorry if you did not experience the love and grace of Christ in that meeting. You deserve to be heard. You deserve to be understand understood. 
you mean something, you matter. What I want you to do is I want you to reach out. It takes a step there. You don't have to reach out blindly. Again, we've been using this whole series to give you tools to equip you. So use those tools of just simply reaching out to the Holy Spirit and saying, help me trust. Who should I reach out to? You might look and see somebody and understand their life as, as something you would like to attain or you see qualities that you would like to uh, infuse into your own life. Reach out to that person. Holy Spirit is amazing to not only provide you with that person, but as we talked about early, earlier, then that lean e will also get pricked by the Holy Spirit. Another great way is this fall we're launching small groups. Get involved. Your spiritual experience, it was not meant to just be Sunday morning. It was meant to be every day. It was meant to do it with other people. It was meant for each person to lean on another. We can't do that all on Sunday morning. So I just really want to encourage you as these small groups open up, take that chance. Step out. It's just my prayer for you today that you would understand that it's okay if you struggle because I struggle. It's okay if you're not done struggling because I'm still struggling. Just because you receive freedom in one area doesn't mean you've received freedom in all areas. We're all struggling. When someone comes to you, don't forget that. Focus on your routine. Focus on what the Holy Spirit's telling you. Help the other as much as you can. But again, don't make it about you. Listen. We need to do a better job of bearing and do less sharing. We're gonna pray. Dear Father, I just thank you for how you use your world to point back to you. I love listening to music and reading books and watching movies and listening to podcasts and feeling closer to you regardless because you are in all. Lord, thank you for those songs, uh, for those of us who emotionally connect with music, thank you for those. Uh, they, they not only equip and build up, but they provide a ground of, of knowing that you are through all. Lord, I pray this morning that as those are hearing this message, that they would understand that it's okay to struggle and for them to know that they don't need to do it alone and that we would all learn to lean on one another in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit and using the example of Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.